everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are here to bring you the newest episode of Burke Reviews Movie Club and the first episode of February, um, where we... No, I'm sorry. I am wrong. It is the second episode of February, um, but it's the 90 minutes or less, because uh, this month is flying by already. It's already the second week um, into this, and... Our last episode, we did Grave of the Fireflies, which was just under 90 minutes. And this week, we're going to be reviewing um, Joel Schumacher's Phone Booth, uh, which is an hour and 20 minutes, so uh, 10 minutes under the requirement. Um, but before we do that, we like to catch up with what's been going on and talk about what else we've been watching. So first off, Corey, how you doing? I'm fine. It's supposed to snow hardcore, and I'm, it's so cold. It is warm here. But I have been sick all week. Um, so sick, in fact, I actually called in to work for like the first time in a long time, uh, which is different as a teacher because you put in for a sub. But we are on a shortage of subs, so I didn't oh. get a sub, didn't realize that. And so my class ended up having to just chill in the library all day, all my three classes. So I felt awful. I'm sure they didn't mind as much as I minded. You know, they had essentially a free day, but I don't like wasting days. And not only that, but I had gotten up early because uh, I was feeling so bad put in the sub request and then sp stayed up for an hour making plans that I thought would be beneficial for my students without me being there um, only for them to not have the opportunity to do any of it because they were in the library not anyone's fault mind you I guess yeah. if anything it's my fault but because um, if, if I had realized I would have gone in um, even though I felt awful I probably would have just I, I told my students on Wednesday when I because we see uh, odd classes on Monday Wednesday and even on Tuesday, Thursday, so I missed my odd class on Monday. Uh, on Wednesday, I was like, guys, if I had known you were going to end up in the library all day, I would have came to work, even if I had to lay on the floor, <laughs> like, to let oh. you at least have some, you know, opportunity to do the work, but um, it all works out, and my kids are, are great when I'm sick. Uh, they're always extra kind and, and respectful. They're always good anyways, but they're, like, they're always a little quieter when, uh, when they know you're not feeling well. Um, it's it's always a cool kind of like respect moment when you're sick because you feel awful but they also like they treat you better because of it so you're like oh well at least they're kind um but other than the stupid cold that i'm still getting over and it's driving me nuts i've had a pretty cool movie week i think overall um in fact i just watched a new netflix original that i'm glad i'm gonna get to talk about on this episode because netflix is not talking about it at all it seems um and and that's they it seems to be their mo because when it's a bad movie they just praise the crap out of it, and when it's a movie that I think is worth your time, and uh, many other critics also not just me, um, it seems like they don't push it and it's so disappointing. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, ha what have you been watching, Corey, since the last time we recorded Movie Club? Well, last night I finished for the fourth time <laughs> Parks and Rec. Oh, I love it so much. I love it so much. And Ben Wyatt is the best hype man slash husband. I just, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, And I'm watching the fourth and last season of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And Bill and I watched Kill Bill 1 and 2 mm. Um, last Saturday. Um, We hadn't seen those since they had played in theater. And oh, wow. I had been wanting to watch them for a while. And then Bill's like you know what I've been wanting to watch? And it was just like, how do two people, you know, 
so we well, did. And I forgot how long the second one feels. Yeah, yeah, agreed. The second one, and I don't, I don't love the ending still of the second one. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's always kind of not. I mean, it works, but it's also cheesy. And um, but overall, I, I like, I like those movies quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and I mean that's good preparation because he's got his new film coming out later this year. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood, I think, is what it's called. The uh, Charles Manson, not oh, it's yeah. not a biopic, but Margot Robbie, uh, Brad uh, Brad Pitt. I'm forgetting who else is in the film. But there's some other big names. We in need. It. Oh, we Leo. Need to talk about... Leo DiCaprio, oh, first time I Tarantino. Saw... I have to tell you something because I thought about you. So, dear listeners, I don't hate Titanic. I really liked it when I was younger. Um, definitely had a crush on Leonardo DiCaprio, but I, there was some some like small blurb on something today. I can't even remember if it was like IMDb or something that shared like a small part of a interview. But I thought of you, and they said that somebody came in for an interview, or you know, for something to do with that part in Titanic. And it was like, oh, big whoop, big deal. And then Leonardo DiCaprio came in, and, like, every woman in the office building or whatever made uh, it a point to be there. <laughs> and that's how they knew he he was the one for that part. And I just thought of you. Um, and also, we need to talk about Albert Finney passed away. Yes, um, he did. I didn't know that until, like, an hour or two ago, guys. It was yesterday, right? Yesterday? I don't know. Oh, I could I be only... wrong. I thought I saw something yesterday, but... Oh, maybe. I just found out about it today. Yeah, it's always sad. Um, at, you know, uh, it's one of those things where it's at least it's a long life. It's not a you know, super early too. death. Yeah, but still, yeah. I mean, you always want more time for him. Um, and for us, you know, it reminds of it reminds of that yeah, reminds us of our own mortality. Um, when someone that we look up to or have been around for so long that we, you know, from, you're just used to, uh, passes, but. Agreed. I'll let you talk now. I won't interrupt again. I promise. Oh, you didn't interrupt at all. It was still your, as far as I was concerned, it's still your turn. Um, although that was uh, a lot of TV for you, um, more so than Please. anything else. But, uh, I did, I watched a few more episodes of psych, um, as I, I, I was watching it over like Christmas break, but I haven't really watched many episodes since then. Um, I'm on season four and I think there's eight seasons, but um, I did have two very good episodes uh, with some fun cameos um, because they keep bringing in like celebrity cameos. Uh, Tom Wilson was in one. Um, Tom Wilson plays Biff in the Back to the Future trilogy. Um, And he's in Freaks and Geeks as the coach and he's in uh, um, a couple other things, but uh, he had a, a good cameo. It was a very small cameo, but um, they had uh, Jaleel. Oh, I'm gonna forget his name. I knew his name when I was watching it. Jaleel White, I think, who played Urkel. Um, yeah. And uh, Keenan Mitchell, who was Keenan and Kelly on Saturday Night Live, were uh, on an episode that was really funny. And um, I'm gonna forget his the actor's name all of a sudden, which I again normally if this is coming right to me, but I'm gonna blame the cold. Uh, but the guy who played Merle in Walking Dead, whose name I for some reason can't, and he's Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh my God! I know his name every other time, but for right now, he was on an episode that was probably one of my favorite episodes uh, so far on Psych. Um, Michael Rooker. That's it, and I know that he's also in Mallrats, which is where I first knew Michael Rooker. Um, he plays kind of the well, he is the antagonist in that film. 
But aside from that, um, I've watched quite a few movies. I rewatched Wayne's World because I felt like it. Because um, I love that movie. And uh, that same day, I watched the 2018 Suspiria um, as part of uh, the Take Six Challenge that I'm doing with Sean. Um, I got to say, I didn't hate it. Um, I also didn't love it. It did make me appreciate the original a little bit more. Oh. Partly because... I think the original does a lot to kind of build mystery and intrigue in the story. And this movie, the new one is like beating you over the head with what the story is like, just like, here you go. In case you were curious, this is exactly what's happening. There are like three or four scenes where there's just people eating dinner and then voiceover of a conversation happening somewhere else that is just filling in (laughs) what would have been blanks. Um, I don't know about the first one. I don't know if it's mystery and intrigue if you just have no idea really what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I but I at the end I did feel you're you're not wrong. I don't feel like they do a good job of like unveiling the things, but at some point you do get, "Oh, this is what everything has been." Um this movie from the get-go tells you that uh there's going to be witches and <gasps> oh, get get ready for that. Um that's almost like opening scene conversation. Um then I realized uh on so I watched both Wayne's World and Suspiria last Saturday, and it was the February second. And then I realized um, after seeing many many people posting Groundhog Day memes that it was Groundhog Day, and I was like, oh my gosh, I should have watched Groundhog Day. So then on Sunday I had to watch Groundhog Day because I love that movie and I hadn't seen it in a while, and I still love that movie. Um, and then when I was sick on Monday, I spent most of my morning uh, grading. Once I once I felt well enough to like sit up, I, I decided I would use my time, get some caught up on some grading, and I watched um, the other movie Sean challenged me to watch last week, which was All These Small Moments. Uh, that is a very small indefe- independent film. Stars Molly Ringwald, um, Harley Quinn Smith, uh, Kevin Smith's daughter is in it, um, J- Jemica Kirk, and then... Um, the real leads who don't get billed high enough uh, are Brendan Meyer and Sam McCarthy. They are the brothers. That is really this. Uh, Brendan Meyer is really the focal character, and it's very enjoyable. It's not perfect. Um, it's a good coming of age story, though. Uh, definitely worth a check out if you get an opportunity. Um, I watched Phone Booth, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, my uh, my highlight of my week was showing uh, my film two class blind spotting. Um. One of the cool things about being a film teacher that is also a amateur film critic, um, and and more importantly, more than either one of those, a movie obsessed individual, um, is I get to introduce people to films that maybe they would have never heard of otherwise. And Blind Spotting is one that I got to see at South by Southwest last year um, with David Diggs and Rafael Casal in in attendance, and they did a Q and A. And it, since I saw the film, it's been one of my favorites. Um, it was my favorite from last year, from that day. Like, I knew right then, I was like, it's going to take a lot for anything to knock this off my, my list. And it, nothing did, um, despite having some really great movies last year. And I've been uh, advocating for this film for a while. And coincidentally, the weekend before I was going to show my class, Guillermo del Toro tweeted out how great Blind Spotting was, that he was late to the boat, but here it is. And um, I thought that was great. I was like, perfect timing. And uh, I showed my students uh, the intro of it on um, on Tuesday. And just like the first 15 minutes or so, 
um, after we, we talked about gentrification, what that was, uh, I had, I pulled two articles, one from, um, both from Oakland, but one from a person who was a uh, quote unquote native of Oakland and one quote unquote transplant from Oakland, um, and gave half the room, one article and the other half, the other without them knowing that there were two different articles. So that was a fun conversation because they had very different perspectives on what was going on, um, because of what they had just read. And then, uh, I showed them the full film on Thursday, so I got to rewatch it myself, um, for my fourth time seeing it. And, uh, not only did I love it as much the fourth time, but, um, most of my students were blown away. Uh, three or four of them are saying it's their favorite movie ever at this point. Um, which is always cool because I get that a lot. Um, movies that I pick for them, not always, sometimes they hate movies that I pick for them, but every once in a while I'll find one that really clicks with somebody that they didn't know it existed and it becomes their favorite film. And I kind of like being responsible for someone's favorite movie, you know, like I'll always be connected with them. Like I remember Mr. Birkenfield showed me that film and that's my favorite movie ever. <coughs> and, um, yeah, I just can't stress enough how great blind spotting is. If you still haven't seen it, listener, please rent it buy it um give it a watch it is uh it has so much to appreciate did i talk about this i can't no did i i don't know i don't think i did on this podcast i think i watched it before we recorded movie top five uh, top five so i think that guillermo del toro and i might have watched it the same day i think you're right how about that? Because he posted about it, um, I think, that same day. Um, and I don't know. It wasn't. I don't know why I didn't watch it. Because you. I knew it was going to be your number one movie mm-hmm. last yeah. year. And I just. There's just some. Uh, I don't even know how to explain. I loved it too. And I liked seeing that perspective. And I liked even just, like, the opening where they have, like, the side-by-side, mm-hmm. um, like, or those frames. I'm so bad at this. Oh, no. It, you know, you what? just have to be a little more confident, I think. But It's yeah. side-by-side frames, and it's showing two different people and what's happening. Yeah. It's um, the, the, the world of Oakland, and we're seeing all the different aspects of Oakland. Yeah. Um, and I could not place the actress who played – I can't remember her name right now. It was on the tip of my tongue – and she was in True Blood. I was like, oh my god, I recognize her. I recognize her. Where is she from? So I feel like that's kind of... Because ah, that... That's uh, Val, the, the, the Val, love interest. I was wanting to say Liv, and I knew that wasn't right. Yeah. Um, I just... I liked this... I liked the story a lot, and I liked seeing David Diggs' character and, like, the change that he's mm-hmm. going through, and... Well, and the... Just, the the reason I showed my class, aside from it being a film that I love, um, we we watched four new films uh, in a row, which was not necessary. Well, new-ish films because Moonlight's a couple years old now. But um, we were studying character, so I picked four films that I thought had very prominent character arcs, and that uh, my students could really see like the growth. So we searching, leave no trace, which leave no trace I think is the most challenging. Searching is the uh, um, John Cho. Uh, all computer screen film from oh, last year, which I seen that one. Uh, that's a must see for sure. Um, and then, which my, my students loved that film. I think their least favorite collectively was Leave No Trace, but not because they didn't like it, but I think just by comparison, it's the most quiet of the four films. 
and for teenagers that's a little bit more of a struggle you know there's not as much dialogue or even there's not as much happening you know it's a very intimate personal film um especially when you compare it to blind spotting or moonlight or um searching and uh we ended with blind spotting partly because i wanted to end with um i think this film has two very dominant characters that they could analyze because that's going to be their assessment next week is they're going to have to pick one of the characters from the four films and do a profile on the character um you know demonstrate that they've they really grasp who the person is and they have options of how they do that they can do an essay or a poster a powerpoint or a uh, like a video essay where they're talking uh to the camera and then they use clips or still images um and uh, you know it's just blind spotting has so many layers it's such a brilliant film in so many ways and it's also really entertaining and engaging while managing to deal with very complicated and relevant issues um it, it's just it's in my eyes it's a masterpiece like there's almost nothing i would change about it I, that's I, the word i used yeah um and so that was that was uh we i finished thursday in class uh, last night because we record these on fridays i went and saw liam neeson's new film cold pursuit uh, which I was very hesitant to see because I don't really care for the Taken movies. Um, I haven't seen all of them, to be fair, but um, I didn't love Commuter from last year, and I've skipped several of the other ones, but um, I'd heard this one was not the same, that it was actually like a dark comedy, and it turns out, yes, it is a very dark comedy, um, but super entertaining if you like that kind of thing. If like if you're a fan of like Seven Psychopaths or In Bruges or um, even Kiss Kiss Bang Bang maybe, although that's a little more noir uh, stylistically, as far as the sensibilities of humor are similar, and man, I I had a blast with Cold Pursuit. It's not it's not a must see movie, but it's definitely high up there. It's a not quite golden rating. Um, I've not posted my review yet, but that's what the rating will be. Um, definitely super entertaining. And uh, again, if you like dark comedy, if you don't, skip it because you're not going to get what's happening. Um, and to be honest, the audience I was with. For the first 30 minutes, they could not tell what the movie was trying to do, if it was trying to be funny, because it doesn't laugh at itself. Like, it takes itself seriously, but there are just scenes where, like, you're, like, okay, they're clearly trying to make a joke here, but it feels like a weird time to make a joke. And then once you kind of get in in with the film and, and you're on the same wavelength, everyone was laughing and having a really good time with it. <coughs> um, and then that Netflix original that I teased is a new Steven Soderbergh film, um, called High Flying Bird. Oh. And I literally, uh, I was on Letterboxd, and I saw all these critics posting about it. I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, it's Steven Soderbergh? And then I'm like, well, how do I get to see this? And I'm thinking I'm going to have to try to email to get a screener, and I messaged Sean. I was like, hey, have you heard of this? He's like, yeah, I'm watching it tonight. I'm like, who did you get a screener from? He's like, dude, it's on Netflix. I'm like, are you kidding? How have I not heard anything about this at all? Like, until today, I'd heard nothing. And... I, I'm mixed on Soderbergh, but I, I tend to like a lot of his stuff. Now, much like last year's Unsane, this film is also shot on iPhones, um, which I like that Soderbergh is doing this because he doesn't need to. And um, and if I'm, I've heard it's Soderbergh and Soderbergh, so I'm not sure which one is the correct enunciation, but either way. Uh, the film stars Andre Holland, who is uh, Kevin in Moonlight, in the adult version of Kevin in Moonlight at the end. Um, and he's a terrific actor and he is so good in this movie. He is absolutely brilliant. Um, and then Zazie Beetz, who, if you saw Deadpool two last year, she's Domino in Deadpool two. 
Um, oh, she's yeah. the I would say the second lead um, co-star for sure, but definitely the second most screen time. She is uh, she's always been terrific in everything I've seen her in, and she's great here. Um, I really enjoyed this film. It's a it is a basketball themed film because um, Andre plays a uh, agent named Ray. He's a sports agent primarily for basketball, and there's a lockout on, so his players are panicking. Um, because they're not making any money and thus he's not either so his agency's freaking out <clears throat> and it kind of becomes like a heist movie in true Soderbergh style um, as he kind of manipulates the system uh, pulling strings that we can't always see just like in Ocean's Eleven or in Logan Lucky uh, we are not always aware of what the character is doing but eventually we will be and it's super entertaining, uh, and again, just such a such a strong performance from Andre Holland. Um, can't can't wait to see what else he does. Um, but yeah, I can't believe Netflix is not pushing this. I went on expecting it to either pop up or to be at least in like their recent releases, and it was nowhere to be found. I had to search it, and it literally came out today. So shame, shame, Netflix. You've got a great movie here that you're not pushing well enough. Um, so I will push it where I can. Not to help you, but to help the filmmaker and the, the actors in it who are doing terrific work. And that's what I've been watching, Corey. I'm sorry for such a long-winded thing. It's fine. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, it's how we do. But um, this week, uh, I, I had a, a painful revelation that I've seen way too many Joel Schumacher movies, Corey. Um, because... Oh my god, my phone is flipping out. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Um... It's, it's me calling, ironically. No. Uh, <laughs> but so this week we picked Joel Schumacher's movie uh, Phone Booth from 2002, um, mainly because it qualified for the under 90 minutes. And it's a film that stars Colin Farrell, uh, who I am a pretty big fan of at this point. Um, publicist Stuart Shepard finds himself trapped in a phone booth pinned down by an extortionist sniper rifle. Unable to leave or get help from the surrounding bystanders, he negotiates with the caller. Uh, it's got a 56 meta score, 7.1 IMDb user score. Also stars Kiefer Sutherland, Forrest Whitaker, uh, Rada Mitchell, Katie Holmes, uh, who is very young in this movie. Um, and there's some other people, I guess you could say, uh, who yell it at him a lot. Um, written by Larry Cohen, uh, who is... You know, well-regarded writer, um, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm wrong. It seems like he is. Um, I had never seen Phone Booth before. Corey, I can't remember. Had you seen this beforehand? You know, Bill swears up and down that we did, but I think that he saw that movie with somebody else because, no, I've never seen this movie before this week. And I, I have to say, I was confused as to what it was. I, I think there's a, there's a movie like Man on the Ledge or something that I thought it was like, cause they're, they, I think they might've came out even close together and they both are like this type of like, you're just in one spot for a long time. Like, cause most of this movie is at this phone booth. Um, like the first 10 minutes or so we're just in Stewart's world. Um, and Colin Farrell is Stewart and he is a, an agent. Um, not really sure exactly what talent in general or acting, or a model like it seems like he's kind of all of the above uh you get a funny cameo from ben foster very early on um who's he's like uh what did you say he's not a rapper he's 
he's a gangster. <laughs> he's a gangster, but uh, clearly like trying to to market on the rap uh, game. Um, very very short cameo. Very young Ben Foster too. Uh, it was seventeen years ago, right? Yeah. Before you even said that, I was like, holy heck, baby. But um, let's start with you, since you also hadn't seen it. Neither one of us had ever seen Phone Booth. What were your initial thoughts? That it felt really long. Really? Even though it was an hour and 20 minutes? <laughs> yeah. Um, I I don't want to say that I... I mean, I don't, like, just seek out Colin Farrell films, so I don't want to, you know, make it sound like I do, but I've seen quite a few of his movies, and I just don't think that he was that great in this. Hmm. I don't know. I felt like he was... I don't know. Maybe that was just his character, but I don't... <sighs> Well, remember, there was a phase where uh, he went through in his career where he was picking movies that were questionable. Um, and I remember, I don't, I didn't know this, but from Family Guy, um, I, I remember them saying that at some point he went through like a really douchey phase. Um, so this could have been in that time period. Um, okay. I'm not 100%. I know he did, uh, well, no, same year, he does Minority Report, which he's pretty good in from what I re remember. It's been a while since I've seen that. Um when did Deadpool come out? Because he is blunt. Uh, okay, so Deadpool comes out the next year. And then he does Alexander. Um, I think he's supposed to be good in the New World, but I haven't seen that. And then he does Miami Vice, which is questionable at best. Um, I don't know. His career seems pretty solid overall. Um, he's got some duds here and there. Oh, I didn't realize he was in Crazy Heart that we're watching. Oh, I'm so excited for next that month. movie. Um, spoilers for that. Uh, but. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a fan. I love him in In Bruges. I love him in Fright Night. Um, I love Seven Psychopaths. Then yes, the Yorgos Lanthimos collaborations, both The Lobster and um, uh, Killing of Sacred Killing Deer. Of Sacred I love. Deer. Um, he was actually good in The Beguiled too, which I didn't love that movie, but he was really good in it. He's good in Widows from this year. I forgot he's going to be in Dumbo, uh, the Tim Burton movie coming out. <gasps> God, um, I don't want to like Tim Burton, but I'm going to have to see that movie. I am very apprehensive about all of the Disney live-action movies coming out this year, but I'm going to see them all, but I'm apprehensive about all of them. So, um, But I, I liked Phone Booth. I didn't love Phone Booth, um, but I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, I I didn't feel like it was long. I, I thought the acts were very clearly like delineated. Like You could tell when once he got to the Phone Booth that here comes Act 2, and then um, the midpoint was very blatant um, when... Uh, the well that would get into spoiler territory so I won't say what happens but something happens that is very like okay well here's that and then towards the end um, I was also like I, I, I don't know I felt like it moved pretty well um, I, I like Colin Farrell I don't think this is his best performance by any means but I found his character compelling and um, I thought he played him well I thought he was this kind of smug arrogant jerk uh, who was used to manipulating people with his you know charm and i you know i kind of fall for that charm of his that's one of the reasons i like him um which is what's interesting about him in the yorgos lanthimos films is he's kind of devoid of charm in those movies um especially in the lobster he doesn't get to be emotional at all right he's like monotone the whole time um and it's such it's almost a departure from his normal performance like if you watch in bruges He's so charismatic. He's, you know, all over the place. He's being super Irish, um, Colin Farrell. And 
<coughs> um, you know, there was there wasn't any real like crazy stylistic uh, flourishes from Schumacher in this. It's um, the one thing I thought was an odd choice stylistically was he did a lot of like picture in picture stuff where like yeah you have this like small screen of something else going on somewhere else and it was a weird choice to me um especially because it wasn't there was no like it wasn't found footage we weren't watching like a news report of the events um it would just happen like where we would see this little small screen version of what sometimes it was who was on the other phone the other line of the phone because the phone is a central part and that's the movie dates itself really hard though right at the beginning with the whole like lesson on like pay phones and cell phones and stuff because i'm like oh this is no longer even remotely accurate <laughs> like it's like it screams 2002 essentially because it is like none of this is gonna hold up past this year basically because cell phones grew exponentially right like i mean i think i got my first like nokia you know, old school brick of a phone, 2003, 2004, I think. Um, and I've had a cell phone ever since. And I don't know, I feel like probably 2008, I stopped having a house phone or so. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they grew quickly. It went from being like, you had only 200 minutes and you, you use them sparingly to like, Oh, here's unlimited <laughs> minutes and, and 50 can... text messages. Yeah. And now I use no, I use like no minutes. I don't talk on the phone hardly at all. <laughs> like, and again, they're unlimited, but I don't use them anyways. Um, very rarely do I, I talk on the telephone anymore. Uh, it's usually texting, exactly. And, you know, um, so aside from those things, I, I found the movie uh, intriguing, generally funny um, at times, like weirdly funny, because the, the, Kiefer Sutherland's uh, the caller um, on the other end of the phone, and he's... I don't know. It's it's like it's not. I wouldn't call it a dark comedy, but there is like this element of uh, like sarcasm that he has. That's it's hard for me not to like kind of laugh at at how like out there it is. I do. I, I think there's some story issues that it. Some things don't really come together. Um, but overall, I I found it definitely watchable, and I I, I wasn't. I didn't feel like it was long, and it's 120 minutes. It not 120 minutes. Sorry hour and 20 minutes it went by quick enough for me <coughs> um if there's nothing else before spoilers i guess we should get into it okay guys we're going to talk about phone booth from 2002 in great detail from here forward you've been warned yeah um so okay i think that we need to get something out of the way okay I can't stand Katie Holmes. That, like, whiny little wannabe. It's like she's trying to sound young and, and like, sexy and cute. And it's just, I try not to say the F word, but nauseating. Like, I just want, ugh. It makes me, like, legit feel like I'm going to throw up. And I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, she plays that, to mute it. that character a lot. Um, or at least that, that role. Like, because even in, like, Batman Begins... She she has that those scenes where she's just like cutesy Katie Holmes, um, and honestly that her episode of How I Met Your Mother very much the same, um, and yeah like I don't know I I liked her when I was a kid like I don't usually talk about like celebrity crushes but I was in high school when Dawson's Creek was on, and I thought Katie Holmes was great, but it, yeah I kind of agree it, it has it it doesn't it doesn't stick and I I. 
I've never articulated it, but what you just said, I think, is exactly how I feel. It's just like, would you would you stop trying so hard to be that? Because it doesn't feel natural. It feels yeah. like she's trying really hard to be that person. Yes. And it's like I've seen her in other things where she wasn't as nauseating. Um, like, I really like disturbing behavior. I can't remember if she's, like, whiny as all get out in that and then... Yeah, it's been a long time since I saw that. I think I saw that in yeah. the theater, and I haven't seen it since. Um, and then there was another movie she was in. Uh, I always want to call it, like, The Orphanage, but it's not The Orphanage. And she was fine in that. But just overall, I don't really like her as an actress. Yeah, and she's not in this much, um, but she does get that opportunity to be that kind of cutesy girl that's uh, the fling of Colin Farrell's character, which apparently he hasn't slept with. That that was my one big issue with the story. I still couldn't figure out exactly why the caller picked him. That's okay. So here, how do you go from murdering a pedophile and then in murdering somebody who, like, pulls a Martha Stewart and sells all of his stocks before they plummet, and then you're going to kill put someone on trial for treating people badly yeah it, it was such a I mean, leap from those that, other two <laughs> that was his thing i'm like you're equating this man with a pedophile i kept waiting for a bigger reveal to happen you know yeah. like that there was something else that he just wasn't saying because he also kept saying you gotta be truthful you gotta be honest and i'm like oh oh so i obviously don't agree with what he was doing and i think that he's a dirtbag but he never even cheated on his wife. Did he try? Oh, yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I guess the intent is can be just as bad, but I just don't see where that's a murderable offense in the middle no. of Times Square. Like, And he was willing, he was threatening to murder the wife. Oh, but he was going to murder either one of the women. Yeah. Just, he was telling him to choose. Like, so it's, it's clearly he's, because at the end, I feel like they try to make him like a vigilante. Almost saw, like, esque, right? Like, as he walks by and he, like, says something like, good job or whatever. You know, like, hey, you passed my test. Um, yeah. But it's like, yeah, but what is your criteria? Because what? it's so much. Did you say yeah. that? Yeah. I um, wasn't sure if the what was, like, genuine. Or I was like, wait, what? No, I just don't even know. I mean, you spent all of your time stalking this man and stalking both of the women that he's involved with because of this. Like, And he killed the pizza guy. Yeah, that I was going to bring that up and I was going to, you know, who is he? He killed the innocent man when he has somebody on trial for the way that they treat people. And then he just murders him so he can get away and keep on doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And he clearly sets the pizza guy up for that, too, because he sent the pizza to him. And we like because when the first reveal that it was the pizza guy, I'm like, no, it wasn't. No. One, because I know that Keith Sutherland, Keith Sutherland is the caller, so I know it's not. But more importantly, it was too obvious of a setup because the way the pizza guy was like, dick. Like, you know it's not him. It's too obvious. Um, and so, yeah, um, that that's – I didn't have a whole lot of, like, notes on this because there isn't a lot – um, I think you're either on board with Colin Farrell's character because I did feel for him and they, they do what would be called like a save the cat type moment with the fact that he's calling this other woman. He takes his wedding ring off when he's calling her, you know, there's that's nothing more than self guilt, right? Like no one else is going to see the wedding ring. He doesn't have to hide it from Katie Holmes. 
he's taking it off himself because he feels guilty for doing it with the wedding ring on. Oh, Jesus, then don't do it. I agreed, agreed, but that's what they're... I have no sympathy. But they're trying to build sympathy with that moment because... And he even kind of brings it up later and he, you know, he grabs the ring. Um, He risks his life to get the ring off the ground. Like, it's... It's not a saving grace, but it is, like, an attempt of... He is not a purely evil individual, and I don't think he was. Um, he manipulative, sure. Um, Uses people, yeah, but yeah. I don't really put that. That's a far cry from evil. Like, yes, and especially and you're in New York City. That's the best you could find. Yeah, and especially like deserving of like this kind of, not even like the potential death. The implication of the other two people were that they were quick deaths. This was like a torture thing you know where like he made a, a scene he had i mean i guess to be fair the, the... he set up the gun in the top of the mm-hmm. the phone booth it was funny but also very stressful when the hookers were yelling at him yes and then the pimp trying to get in the phone booth yeah and of course that's where like you could also argue that the, the plot doesn't make sense because the shooter had to know to hide the gun in the booth that would become the center of the investigation when the other guy was killed and there's no way he could have known that the pimp would come across the street and get shot you know what i mean like that was a lot of factors because unless i guess you could argue that he was the one paging the hooker that made her want to use the payphone which they don't say but i guess maybe that's what we're supposed to take is that he sets all of it up like all of it is controlled because every time we think he's not in control, he was in control. Like, throughout the film. Every time it looks like Colin Farrell might have the upper hand, or that he's unclear of something, he's in control of it, you know? And I wanted to pop his wife in the face. For which reason? A lot of them, but at the end, after he's alive, and he's like, I want to tell you everything. I only, I don't want you to tell me anything that you don't want to tell me. And I'm like, get out of here. Yeah, she's she has no Color agency. Made. She is made. a flat character made simply to to be <laughs> to be a prize, I guess. Like, yeah, she has no no sense of like self preservation because like there's no reason for her to stick around. No. And but I I really did like um, Forrest Whitaker though. I thought his character was interesting. And even. The caller, like, stalking him and knew all about his, like, marriage falling apart. and Yeah, in 2002 especially, because there's no, like, social media yet. There's no MySpace. There's no Facebook, uh, obviously, because there's no MySpace. Um, so there, that would have been really hard to know all that personal stuff. Like, because even if there is, there is internet in 2002, obviously, but it's slow. There's not, like, he's not typing it up while he's in the phone call. Um you know that would uh, honestly he probably couldn't make a phone call unless he had a second phone line um because it would have been dial-up still um and it would have maybe been early days of dsl and in new york city they might have got it earlier than you know our small area here but uh still it would have been slower internet than what we're used to now so um i don't know how fast he could have got any of that information uh and again, for him to have predicted that it would all happen, because keep in mind too, Forrest Whitaker was not supposed to be the negotiator. The negotiator was late, and Forrest Whitaker took the role over. So he couldn't have predicted that happening. And I just don't know who chose that negotiator, but there's no way he would be saving any lives in real life. 
the other negotiator? Yeah, the yeah. guy who shows up, he's just, like, pushing everybody's buttons. Like, that's... Well, he's... Oh, I'm so sorry. He's a very stock character, too. Um, I, I mean, for the most part, even our, even our main character, Stuart's kind of a stock character. We don't get a whole... Stock's not fair, but he's not as dynamic of a protagonist that we would normally get. Um, we, you know, his his agency is is questionable. He doesn't get to make a lot of decisions um, in the film, and then really, even his like his big goal is not super clear. Like, make money is the I guess the general goal. Um, and then it becomes, you know, survive, obviously, uh, once he's put into the phone booth scenario. And um, I guess to a degree there is, like, a repentant element, you know, because he points out that he's Catholic. Um, so there is kind of this, like, you know, forgive me for my sins or I maybe even, like, I deserve this at the end. Um, but I don't know. I found it still kind of compelling, and uh, I, I kept waiting for... I think it's a little bit of a disappointment because it doesn't go somewhere bigger. Um, but I, I enjoyed the general premise and, uh, oh, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, it cut off for a second, I think. Or maybe you cut yourself. Oh, no, I'm oh. So, weird. It's okay. It's internet. Who knows? Um, what, anything else about the film? No. Well, um, I, I do want to mention real quick, though, I, I felt bad for Adam, his assistant, who uh, seemed yeah. like really to believe in him, only to uh, basically be kind of told that, no, I was just stringing the kid along. And he looks, of all the things, right, that he confesses to, Adam, he's the most heartbroken, more than his <laughs> wife, who he was admitted to trying to cheat on with. <clears throat> Adam looked generally heartbroken that this guy he looked up to just earlier in the film uh, was using him, and um, I felt more bad for Adam than anybody else. So, <laughs> so true. And Adam's played oh. by uh, Keith Nobbs. I don't know if Keith Nobbs has done much else. Um, does not look like he's done much else. He's in some other stuff, but nothing I've seen or heard of. Um, well, I guess he was on an episode of Amy Schumer. But um, this is definitely not my least favorite Joel Schumacher film. Uh, I'd say it's probably up actually on the top top tier Schumacher for me. Um, I think the original Flatliners might pass this a little bit. Um, and I am oh. a fan of Batman Forever, so that's probably uh, a little ahead of this as well. Even though I think it's still got flaws, I I enjoy Batman Forever partly for nostalgia. I was a, a young kid when I saw that and loved it very much as a kid. Um, oh yeah. The tagline, though, <laughs> a ringing phone has to be answered. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Which I'm just like, no, it doesn't. Like, again. No, I'd walk right on by. That move, that that line doesn't fit in today's time at all, because I would say most of us deny phone calls unless we know who it is. <laughs> like, Yeah. Like, no, thank you. Um, it's on silent most of the time. See, that's, Taylor does that, too. I do not. Um, mine is on, but I just usually, if I don't know the number, I'm just sending it to voicemail. Um almost instantly but all right that leads us to our rating for phone booth um i i'm gonna go decent watch for my my rating i'm gonna go not a total waste of time there you go that's uh phone booth folks um our second movie for the uh 90 minute or less month of february the shortest month of the year hence the short movie runtimes. 
Um, for the next episode, Corey picked our film. Uh, do you remember what you picked, Corey? No. <laughs> really? Yeah, I just looked at it and I forgot already. You picked Bicycle Thieves. Um, oh, which yeah! Is a classic in cinema. A film that um, I have seen. It's the only one this month that I'd already seen, which I'm okay with because I've only seen it once. And it was uh, during the 366. It was one of my goals was to, one, watch more foreign films and two, watch more um, classic films that were missing. Uh, it's from 1948 um, in post-war Italy. A working class man's bicycle is stolen. He and his son set out to find it. Um, it is uh, just just made the, the requirements. It's an hour and 29 minutes. So just one minute short of being at 90 minutes. Um, <coughs> um it is available on uh, most streaming platforms that you have to pay for. Uh, you can rent or buy. Um, it is uh, the Criterion Channel. I don't know if you've seen this, Corey, but the Criterion Channel is a new streaming service uh, in the works. It's coming out soon um, to replace the... Uh, I've already forgot what it was called. Is it going to work, and are they going to double charge me? I don't know, but uh, I'm pretty sure this movie will be on that channel. I could be wrong. But I feel like there's a Criterion print of Bicycle Thieves. Um, it is a classic. And if you are looking to expand your uh, film viewing prowess, highly recommend uh, that you check this out. Now, if you happen to be a college student, um, many universities uh, have a service called Canopy. Um, and Canopy is free. Uh, but the amount of movies that you have access to is up to your university. Um, but I know for... Uh, many colleges, Bicycle Thieves, it's usually canopies through the film programs, and um, Bicycle Thieves is a kind of a staple for film programs, uh, film history, etc. Um, so if you are a college student, you have a college email, find out if your school has canopy, you might be able to watch Bicycle Thieves absolutely free. Um, otherwise, that's what we're going to be talking about next week. Uh, Corey, where can they find you on the interwebs? Okay, at C-O-R-E-Y-R- S-T-A-R-R. <laughs> That's Corey R star, two R's on the end in case you didn't catch that. But yeah, she spells Corey the way that it's supposed to the be spelled. Thank um, you. You find me at Burke Reviews. Uh, BurkeReviews.com is where our reviews and um, articles go. If you like the podcast, please rate and review us. It helps uh, other people find us. And we need the more listeners, the better. So if you enjoy what we do, tell people about us. Um, I'm currently trying to uh, go to Tribeca in New York during April this month, or April this year, excuse me, and uh, I have a GoFundMe set up. If you go to BurkeReviews.com, right at the top of the page, you'll see a big banner for the uh, help send me to Tribeca. You wouldn't just be sending me. In fact, you'd be sending our editor, David Ortega, as well. Um, we will go. We will watch movies. We will let you know about them. Um, some films that I saw from Tribeca are just starting to come out now. Um, and same thing, some films I saw at South by Southwest last year are just starting to come out now so that everyone can see them and you can read my reviews of those movies at BurkeReviews.com and know not to waste your time or to invest in some of these great films that you maybe not have heard of otherwise. Um, one of my favorites from last year's Tribeca, Jellyfish, is available now on digital uh, streaming services. Uh, it's a tough film, but man, was it just super well made and a very, very compelling story. Uh, with a really solid lead performance whose actress's name I'm not going to remember, but she was in um, Lenny Abrahamson's Little Strange Things. Was that the movie? Strange Things? 
Oh, it, isn't the, it Little Stranger? Little Stranger. I knew it was Little and Strange and something. Yeah, Little Stranger. She's the uh, the maid in that movie. Um, and she's... With Domhnall. With Domhnall. And she's so terrific in Jellyfish. Um, and, yeah, um, you know, if you are willing to give, you don't have to give anything more than you, you're you able to. A dollar, ten dollars, a thousand dollars if you want to just fund us outright. But... Um, Anything you can give to help us get to Tribeca would be more than appreciated. Um, and I'm willing to send stickers to those who donate. So if you uh, email me or hit me up on social media that you've donated, um, I can easily get your address and send you some BurkeReviews.com stickers to help support the podcast and the website. Um, thank you again for listening. And until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts covering the entire movieverse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.